the day before Rafa was looking through all the press assets again before they were being released and I had been working with him on those and then we noticed that maybe my RGB colors didn't output correctly and he was like I think some of these are like slightly the colors are wrong so I think I was up working the night before it launched <laughs> like making sure everything like was perfect because we'd come so far and making sure everything was so good but of course it's always like something you didn't see at the time so I think that was probably a good distraction Hey everyone, welcome to A Change of Brand, a show featuring the behind-the-scenes stories of rebrand, glory, drama, or disaster. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Today is our last episode for season one, and I couldn't be more excited than to end on such a barren of a brand, a sovereign of a story. We're going to talk about the recent 2021 rebrand for Burger King. Growing up, I vividly remember my seventh birthday party. I lived in a very small town, and at the time, our fine dining options consisted of Shoney's, Sonic, McDonald's, the Catfish Kitchen, a locally owned place, of course, and Burger King. Now, this BK was pretty impressive. It easily had the best playground in town. Not like the safe plastic indoor playlands you see today. I'm talking real metal, lightning fast metal that was slightly dangerous. There were rides on springs, slides, and swings, and the crown jewel of this magical kingdom was a two-story spiraling metal slide with a huge green tube at the center, of which you had to climb a ladder inside the tube to make it to the top. It was only for the bravest of kids to traverse and slide down, and I'm pretty sure many kiddo arms or legs were broken in that tube. Anybody who was somebody in my little town had their birthday party at the King. And after those days, I kind of lost touch with Burger King, maybe grabbing a long crispy chicken sandwich or some chicken fries here or there, but for the most part, forgot about them. And that's maybe a parallel to how I think the King sort of lost its way as a brand. In fact, today we're going to talk about how I feel like from a brand perspective, they made a whopper of a mistake. For more context in the history of Burger King and what led up to the change of brand, let's go to brand strategist Sarah Gail Hughes for our briefing. Burger King is a staple in American and global fast food culture. It's really hard to imagine a world without the Whopper-making giant. Up until now, Burger King has really embraced their challenger brand status, always poking at their rival with a unique irreverence. But beyond their place in the ranks of fast food sales, who really is Burger King? In 1953, a man named Keith Kramer and his wife's uncle, Matthew Burns, visited the original McDonald's in California and decided to open their own Florida-based restaurant chain, which they named Insta Burger King. The Insta part of the name comes from the production machines they used in the kitchens, which they believed were essential to their success. In 1957, Burger King released a brand new burger, they named it the Whopper, attempting to capitalize on the belief that bigger equals better. After six years of being in business, Kramer and Burns sold the chain to two of their franchisees. And those franchise owners, James McLemore and David Edgerton, made two business decisions that remain intact for the brand today. First, they moved their headquarters to Miami. And then they dropped the Insta from their name. Now known as Burger King, the company grew to 250 locations before the business changed hands again in 1967. 
For the next few decades, despite continued growth in the U.S. and abroad, the company experienced a pretty consistent change in ownership and strategy. Reflecting the variation in leadership, their brand, marketing, and advertising has gone through many different iterations over the years, from focusing on the King character, like from the 70s commercial. Look, it's the Magic Burger King. Where? That's not the real Magic Burger King. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. The Magic Burger King. Live and in color. He's the marvelous Magic Burger King. He can do most anything. Now watch me, kids, when I twist my rings like magic. We're at to producing attack ads on competitors, like from this commercial from the 80s. Decisions, decisions. Should you stop for a McDLT or should you stop for a Whopper? The McDLT is fried, so it tastes, well, fried. The Whopper is flame broiled to taste more like a backyard barbecue. The McDLT is the one they'd rather serve their way. The Whopper is fixed your way to your taste, all of which should make your basic decision very simple. Today, they are housed within a parent company, Restaurant Brands International, who also owns the Canadian donut company, Tim Hortons, and are largely led by their majority owner, 3G Capital, out of Brazil. It's hard to tell the story of Burger King without mentioning its chief rival, the place with the golden arches. Today, on their About Us page on their website, Burger King even calls out their status as the second largest fast food hamburger chain in the world. Historically, McDonald's has remained a consistent brand machine, while Burger King has been known as their irreverent yet culturally relevant fast food burger maker. Recently, BK made headlines with their introduction of the Impossible Burger to the menu, resulting in a 50% increase in U.S. sales. We invited Impossible fans to the opening of a very special restaurant. Tonight, we are at the grand opening of the Impossible Burger restaurant. I love Impossible Burgers. I hunt them down. I camped out at to have the Impossible Burger. I have pictures if you want to see. And it feels like a experience in something big. And we had some great news for them. Oh! Oh! Burger King! Yep, it's not an Impossible Restaurant. I don't know, I might be disappointed. I might, I might be excited. I'm so excited, I've been waiting for this. I've been stalking Burger King. The Impossible Whopper is now available in New York City. Yes, but no, the Impossible Whopper is going nationwide. Damn, that's good. <laughs> you can taste the flame grill. It's like perfect. We wouldn't have it any other way. This is incredible. I'm not going to lie to you. It's here. It's here and it's in every Burger King everywhere. This meat-free option was taken to scale and offered across the world, positioning Burger King as a future-focused leader in fast food. But did their brand fit that future-focused image? Fast food, especially in the past couple decades, has gotten a bad reputation for its unhealthiness. The team at Burger King wanted their brand to help shift some of the negative perceptions of fast food and reflect their focus on real, mouth-wateringly good food. They didn't want their brand to feel synthetic, artificial, or cheap, the common associations people have with fast food. But they also didn't want to lose the personality that they had built over time. Until this recent rebrand, they hadn't touched their visual identity for 20 years. At the end of the day, they wanted to utilize design to make people crave Burger King food. That's kind of a unique project goal. Burger King believed that changing their expression was an essential part of moving forward as a brand. It was important for them to honor their legendary personality, but still move into a new season of their brand identity. 
So to realize their potential, reflecting the old and the new, they decided it was time for a change of brand. The first Burger King logo was designed by the founders, Keith Kramer and Matthew Burns. It was a charming yet ubiquitous half-sun sitting on top of an all-caps wordmark. That same year, once the franchise sold, it changed to a simple wordmark that looks to me like a wild safari-themed restaurant or something you might see in the background of Jurassic Park. Then three years later, in 1957, it changed yet again and was emblazoned with an unremarkable cartoon king sort of slouching on a giant burger while holding a big gulp. And then 12 years later, in 1969, they hit their stride. They designed an iconic logo with the name in orange bubbly letters sandwiched between two golden buns. This design was slightly tweaked in 1994 with a brighter yellow and orange in a slightly nuanced shape. In 1999, the BK brand mark was redesigned by Sterling Brands and got some fresh angles, some volume, and added a little blue swoosh. It kind of has a Wesley Snipes and a Windbreaker 90s vibe to me. This new logo also broke the 30-year run of that classic legacy BK mark. And that leads up to today's story. In January of 2021, Burger King launched a brand refresh led by a firm familiar to a change of brand. Jones, Knowles, Ritchie, or JKR, the same group that led the Duncan rebrand that we covered in episode three. The most recent Burger King refresh pays homage back to that 1969 mark with a slightly more dull hue of orange and yellow and an adorable BK monogram, the burger slider version of the logo just designed for social media. It's very clever. The rest of the visual system is super retro vintage. There's a rounded, groovy custom typeface called Flame Sands that screams Jimi Hendrix. There's new product photography and pop art food illustrations that sort of make it a very modern and personality-filled BK. Oddly, it's a lot like what I remember from my seventh birthday party, yet still fun and fresh for 2021. Be sure to see the change of brand for yourself at achangeofbrand.com. Just click on this episode and scroll to see the breakdown. I had a chance to hear firsthand from Lisa Smith, the executive creative director at Jones Knowles Ritchie, more on the behind the scenes story of this process. Now, she is a smiling, enthusiastic Brit who was originally born in Queens, but lived most of her life in England, just outside of London. She's been back in the US for about 13 years. And before coming on at JKR, most notably, she was the executive creative director at Chobani. She was a head of design at Wolf Allens, design director at Moving Brands. And she's worked with brands like Grubhub, ZocDoc, USA Today, The Met, and more. Her resume is really impressive. She's been with JKR for almost two years now, and the opportunity to work with Burger King was actually part of her interview process. Burger King came up even in my interview with JKR right at the beginning. And I remember when Sarah, the CEO of JKR, mentioned it to me as part of the interview. And I was like, I'm not sure I can work on Burger King. I'm at Chobani and I believe in companies that have a purpose and they're trying to do good in the world. And that just seems like a big leap. And she clearly said, it might not be what it seems, Lisa. They might be moving in the right direction that is a client that I think you would actually get really excited about. And of course, she got in my interest and I made the leap and joined the team at JKR. So Lisa jumps on the JKR train and starts to work with Burger King, who is interested in using design to really shift their perceptions. 
they were having struggles with taste perceptions around their food. People just didn't want to eat Burger King because they didn't perceive it to be good. And how could we potentially use design to close those perceptions around the food? And I was like, this is fantastic. I'm really excited. You need to completely change. We need to do a rebrand. You need to change the food. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We are on a journey to change our food. (laughs) But for now, you need to use our existing identity. We've talked to JKR for maybe the last two years about potentially rebranding, but we've always wanted to make bigger strides on our commitments around the food and sustainability before we would ever redesign the brand. So please, can you take the brief as it is and use our existing equities and see what you can do with that? Lisa is really hungry for change and maybe started to bite off more than she could chew. But the BK team isn't quite ready for that. They're hoping for maybe a side of onion rings or fries, not the full double whopper just yet. I think it's worth noting that Restaurant Brands International, RBI, the company that owns Burger King, first heard about JKR through their work with Budweiser and the global CMO, Fernando Muchado, really started crushing on them as an agency. And it appears that they worked together on the Popeye's rebrand. I'm not quite sure. Another RBI brand. And Lisa told me they had collaborated on a few smaller BK projects, seasonal campaigns and activations. And then one day, JKR got an assignment asking them to help improve perceptions around quality and sustainability for the brand. From that point on, they worked on like different kinds of projects, like seasonal activations and whether it was Halloween or holidays, et cetera, all working up to this moment where we received this brief around quality and sustainability, which then, as we answered that brief, using the existing equities, it led the narrative and the story towards that you need to have a bigger reappraisal towards your design. If you want people to perceive your food as quality, your brand and your experience need to look like a a quality brand. And your store experience is vastly different. The packaging experience, is vastly different. The design experience, you've got hundreds of typefaces, loads of colors, all of those different things. And through making it look good with what we had, but almost limiting it, kind of really got the conversation going towards the the rebrand, which nicely aligned with Rafa Abrua, the global head of design, joining from Coca-Cola to RBI and becoming really the biggest advocate for the design change, which was fantastic because I needed a partner, he needed a partner, and together we could go on that journey to do that together. Wow, I love that. So so the original brief was not a, hey, we need to find a firm to help us go through a major brand change. They had already been working with JKR for a while. And then the brief came around changing perceptions around quality and sustainability. And then you all said, great, the way to answer this brief is... A rebrand. But through that, we did do a whole piece of work. And it was a really amazing presentation where we really unpacked what does quality mean around food? What does taste mean around food? Because, you know, like people don't feel as guilty as you think they do about eating a burger. If you eat a burger from Shake Shack, for example, you may be not as riddled and as much guilt, but really it's exactly the same food, exactly the same ingredients. So it was definitely just as much a brand perception versus like what the product is. And of course, they're making huge strides on the product, on the Whopper to start with, removing artificial preservatives and colors, 
and anything from kind of like bad sources is like is all gone and they're making a lot of progress on doing that now for the full menu I I always think with a rebrand it's always great also to have a moment in time when you've got something to tell a new story to tell and this was like this seemed to be the right moment but we did manage to do a presentation using their existing assets one of the directions was the idea around your way way better way better food way better experience way better in everything all the commitments that you can make for the future that's not a tagline it's like their tagline's always been have it your way or an even abbreviated version your way it was a creative idea that underpinned which kind of led us to the idea that how can we use design to make the look and feel as craveable as the food. That was the crux of everything. So then it became how we make the typeface, the colors, the motion design, eventually the sound design, the photography, every single thing. How could it be as craveable as the food? So after the JKR team digested this initial ask around improving quality and sustainability perceptions, they presented a deeper look into how design signals quality and influences our perceptions as consumers. This teed up the conversation for a comprehensive overhaul of the brand identity, and Rafa Abaru, the global head of design at RBI, was enticed to take a bigger bite. Then Rafa rewrote a brief around design. And of course, it's hard when you think about when you rewrite a brief around the design to not talk about the logo as one of the thing that's at the front of the pack of all the rest of the design. And we called it the elephant in the room because it was just like we were doing it, the logo in one color. We were trying to screen print it sometimes. It was just getting like more and more lipstick on a pig of trying to use this identity um, on top of them using having many typefaces on top of like there being like blue in the color palette. It's like feels very artificial and doesn't feel like the color of food and as well as many, many other colors. And then lots and lots of claims, like a claim for everything from flame grilling to the ingredients claims to the point that, you know, a consumer could be so saturated with that quantity of claims that they're not really taking in any one claim. No claim is more important. And then probably the other biggest takeaway at that point was that the Whopper identity had almost become bigger than the master brand identity of Burger King because it becomes so difficult and so hard to use and hard to make look good that it was just like the Whopper with the kind of distinctive stripe layers had become the bag. It was even on the uniform for the employees. Yeah, it was being used more and more. And of course, it's their most heroic product, which is fantastic. But to see a sub-brand identity become bigger than the master brand identity was also like a, a bit of an architectural minefield that we needed to kind of figure out. So it started with the logo, like we talked about how much the logo looked synthetic as well. It had like glossy sheens, it felt swoosh, it felt, I mean, it's from 1999. So it was just like, it felt like somebody had designed an identity exactly of that era. But yet, the irony is like all the other QSR restaurants in the industry like had all moved to more modernized identities thinking about digital forward. And they had just done a redesign that felt like of a specific era and it was almost like dicking them in a moment in time instead of like looking forward to the future. Rafa did a mock-up in the brief of the existing logo on a fuel station because we talked about how identities look like they could be for other industries and not the industry of 
food that we were in and I mean you know how important food is that you want to crave it it should feel mouth-watering and delicious and desirable and these assets weren't cutting it basically we talked a lot about making distinctive assets like less is more in a lot of cases but it's like how can every element of a identity toolkit be so visually distinct that you could cover up any one element of it so you know you cover up the logo and the colors but you see a typeface do you recognize it as the brand's typeface? I've been practicing this kind of train of thought for many years, all the way from my Wolf Hollands days in terms of like thinking of every piece of the toolkit as very, very distinctive. So we talked about that and we talked a lot about digital as well in terms of like where Burger King has gone. And especially now you even think what we've been through the last two years with the pandemic is like everybody's ordering so much more online. Digital has never been more prevalent. How can we make identity systems that work super well on like the app, on the website, on digital menu boards, when you're going through the drive through all of those things. And I mean, I think it would be wrong to think that any rebrand that you do right now, you need to think about digital as one of the touch points across the brand experience. Because even if you're a product, you know, you could be shampoo or dog food, you're going to show up and more likely be sold on an e-commerce platform than you are necessarily thinking about, you know, you're going to go and physically make that purchase. So how can you make identities work really well in the digital space, but also like, how can you still make them have personality, be distinct and unique. And Burger King has oozing amounts of personality when you compare it to all the other competitors. And there are, I've probably got a load of food puns that I can <laughs> squeeze in as well. But it's just like, like they're the number two. They, so they've got this kind of like real like swagger. They can be big and bold and loud. And you, we've seen it a lot in their advertising and their communications in terms of like, they're not afraid to like be a little out there, go against the grain, be really, really creative. And I think the actual visual identity didn't live up to what everything else the brand was doing. So the more you sort of peel back the onion layers as well in terms of the brief that was like around being modernizing it, simplifying it, becoming more fit for digital, as well as keeping all the things that are so special and unique about Burger King and dialing that up that personality was kind of the summation of really what that brief was. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, I was curious how the competitors would play into this because there's the big mainstays, McDonald's, KFC. But then there's also, like you mentioned, Shake Shack or just a movement towards food that is perceived as healthier, you know, like a bowl concept place or a smaller Tex-Mex place. You know, there's all these like fresh but fast concepts. How did you go about sorting through all of the competition? Was that really a big factor in the creative process? Now that you've got the brief, did you have to really look at a lot of the competition? Or was it more about like, what has always been true about Burger King? And let's just amplify that. It was both. I mean, I don't know if I've ever done a rebrand and skipped the process of making sure that I really understand the sector and that they're in. Um, I think we looked at it from a few different perspectives. I remember I was part of it, but um, a lot of the team did even more of the legwork. We did uh, safaris and we went out at the time because, I mean, obviously this is like almost two years ago when you could go out. We went everywhere and anywhere and we ate all of them and we had all of them delivered at different points because we wanted to see the different experience. And we did everything that you would think would be the direct competitors as well as like restaurants like Taco Bell and um 
is Carl's Jr. And then there's like Chick-fil-A. They've all, some of these restaurants have seen an incredible rise in terms of perceptions around quality and taste. So you might not think, oh, I really love that brand. And, And even sometimes I'm like, I don't love the design of that brand, but how have they made progress? And they're like shooting past everyone else in terms of quality and taste perception. So we looked at the competitors through the strategic kind of like challenge that we needed to take on as well as through the visual challenge and obviously you can't ignore the the number one competitor mcdonald's i always have to remember in terms of different scales and like mcdonald's are almost double the size of of burger king i mean burger king has eighteen thousand eight hundred restaurants i think mcdonald's has double that but of course they want to like eat their target around the edges and grow and grow and that's again that gives us the permission to have a bit more swagger to be a bit more of the challenger brand but everything around us was yeah the brands that you called out and then we did look separately at the chipotles the diggins the shake shacks and and really understand also their journey in terms of like the restaurant experience are they recycling what materials were they using how are they communicating? What's their kind of brand tone of voice? We audited both. But Burger King is like no other. So the other, the big thing that's always at the heart of it is like, we talk about the Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself because everyone else is taken. That's something you'll hear time and time again with JKR. It's been part of their mantra, but it is so true. Like Burger King is uniquely them. And we had to spend more time looking at what, then any kind of customer segmentation, understanding kind of all the best bits of, about Burger King and kind of learning that as well at the same time. And then you kind of start to, you know, compare the two. And slowly we put more and more of the competitive stuff to one side because we were not trying to be like any of those. We're trying to be who we are. But it's good to always understand what the, the category tropes are, like what are the dominant tropes happening in there? What are the kind of new up and coming ones that are like the Shake Shacks, et cetera, that are making you feel less guilty about the food. So we really did have to try and understand that from kind of like the semiotic side. Lisa and the JKR team have done a lot of research on the competition and of Burger King. And once they shook off their food coma, they had to get to work and start putting pen to paper. We were going through guidelines that they had like five different guidelines for all different areas of their business that were literally hundreds and hundreds of pages. And by accident, I got one of the designers to print it out. And literally, I have a photo, which is like this, that became our note paper for like, oh my God, probably for almost a year afterwards, because I was like, stop the printer, stop the printer. So many rules and rhymes. But of course, again, you need to understand all of these layers. How did they get to where they got to in order to start cutting through? There was two pieces in terms of like the process ups of first presentation. Again, there was there was a follow-up development strategic piece where we did start to look at what are their kind of design criteria. As I said, they almost had so many different rules and things like that. So we started to edit all of that down to think about four creative principles there that we could use to measure all of the work around, which again, even in that meeting got refined. It is obviously all a process and got refined more and more, but they ended up being mouth-watering, big and bold, playfully irreverent and proudly true. And even just hearing obviously those four words, and if I unpack them, you can imagine like everything being mouthwateringly delicious, like the way you talk, the way you feel, the way you see images, that was the kind of goal there. The big and bold is is to do with the swagger and the personality. They are loud and proud and eat loud. And then the playfully irreverent, that's the witty side of this brand. 
Burger King has that little like you can nudge and, and just definitely got a personality like that, which is just, oh my God, so much fun to play with visually and verbally. And then Proudly True, which was what a lot more about being the transparency, like not covering up anything, not overstyling food or anything like that not making things feel like artificial and fake it was just uh, and again that all carries through to look and feel as well as verbal and other behaviors so that was a huge part of that first meeting but in that meeting also we started to do straw dog three different directions and I would say they were mild to wild in terms of it one that felt like uh, with mood and swipe and off in that process we'll pull a lot of mood imagery and swipe but we might then even start to color up some of it so it starts to feel like a very unified mood board maybe even start to type some words or some verbal language that feel like it so it feels like an initial design board even though it's not all of our assets on it and we'll write a manifesto for it we'll write how we think the brand behaves if it was to live up to this kind of territory yeah so we did three of those directions as I said mild to wild I think the first one I mean I've never seen a reaction to it they literally gravitated towards it it was very like macro food it was playing with a lot of the colors that we'd seen in the history of Burger King so the oranges uh the dark browns I think we've seen some of that on stores it had very kind of bold playful types so like Again, thinking about the Cooper Blacks and the different types of things that had existed then. The second direction was much more kind of youthful. And I think that that ended up definitely influencing the brand as we developed the brand. But it almost felt like maybe like a more like a Refinery29 version of Burger King. And it was like deliberately targeting more kind of youth in kind of the feeling and the spirit. And then the last direction was massively reductive, had a lot of like swagger, but it was deliberately reductive and felt very different to the third. But it's interesting. I think in the end, little bits of all of those did make it into the brand because often what you find is you're deliberately pushing everything apart in order to come back together. So I talk a lot about the idea of being very generative and then reductive, very generative and reductive. And every phase of the design is like let's explore mild wild let's push directions apart deliberately and then get back to kind of like pull all the best bits back to what the central idea is then let's go and start exploring logos and go very wide and then let's go back in and and that's kind of how the whole process ebb and flows but what I loved about that meeting and I remember we hired an additional space because it was so big we had huge scrolls and and it was real like experiential kind of like afternoon we spent with the clients that flew over from Miami to go through this and and we had all the food delivered there and we had all the vintage of Burma over the table so and we even had photography books and things like photographers that we felt like could be right for the brand in the future so it was just as experiential as, as it could be and as collaborative because it's like they know the brand better than anyone else we love and adore the brand even myself I was growing to learn it I didn't even have the two years history that JKR had had of, of the brand so every time we did a meeting I'd learn more you want to soak it in and kind of move collaboratively together so that was a, a great meeting with a great outcome and and that kind of set us off knowing kind of visually on a page what this brand kind of would feel like and then with those kind of metrics that I talked about in terms of the design criteria how I could use those going through 
the emerging ideas to go back to a classic look for Burger King. JKR and the BK leadership are thinking, perhaps it's time to return home to something familiar, like mom's home cooking. This was never meant to be just a nostalgic play, but there's definitely times in their history when Burger King were much more Burger King, much more iconic in culture. I think about gremlins and like seeing the signage in that or back to the future where Michael J. Fox is skateboarding past it. I think about stranger things, reimagining a lot of the nostalgic elements of Burger King or when Burger King did the Andy Warhol campaign. And you're like, oh my goodness, it just looks more like Burger King. It was like, there's a mark that's pretty interesting. And there was actually two. There was one from the 60s and then one from, I think it was 1993. So there've been two iterations of that mark over a 30-year period. The one from the 60s had very like, well, very 60s typography. It was a little bit like psychedelic. It was a little groovy. Um, and then maybe the, the one in the 90s was just a bit more simplified, less packed with lots of personality. But we never just started there. First off, we started to look at the mark we had then. Is there anything we could do to it? Modernize it, simplify it. So we sort of started to deconstruct it. We also looked at like, is it just the word Burger King? If it says Burger King, does it need to be in a burger? You know, like there's all these like meta things that happen once you're on it. And there's the king. Should we have a crown? Like, should the crown be on top of the burger? Should it just be the crown over the word Burger King? Like, is that more iconic? We then started to talk about that most people call Burger King BK in culture. So it's just like, you know, like I'm going to go to BK. And I was like, so should we look at an abbreviated version? Which, of course, that was a, a, a great exploration because that led one of the designers to start doing sketches where the K then fell into the B, which then became obviously the Favicon. But if we hadn't have like explored the biggest amount of breadth that we could do, we would never have found those types of like nuggets that ended up being like, oh my God, this is really cool. This is really interesting. Uh, this should definitely be part of the identity. It was hard to think about changing it that dramatically for the sake of changing it. And was there something that was already there that maybe Burger King, maybe when you think of all the franchisees who have to go through all the signage changes and things like that, would actually feel more familiar and more true to them and the right thing to do. So we we actually started to take into consideration all of the franchisees as we were starting to make the decision, should we do something that's like completely new or something that feels a bit more familiar and modernize it in a whole new way. And, and of course, that probably through our criteria started to land us into that place. But it wasn't like, let's just go and do a homage to the past. Okay, when we come back from the break, we hear how the adorable little BK monogram shorthand logo, the latest darling in the design community, was on the chopping block and almost didn't make the cut. Poor little buddy. All that and more after the break. Hey everyone, Sarah Gale here. I want to take the opportunity to give a shout out to Matchstick. It's where I work and our producing partner for the show. We specialize in helping growing brands take their identity to the next level. If you need help standing out in the market or clarifying your message, be sure to visit us at matchstick.com. Also, we are hiring right now. So if you're an experienced brand strategy and messaging leader, then our open messaging director position might be just right for you. 
You can head to our website, matchstick.com, and click contact to see the full description. I also wanted to say thanks to everyone who's listened and enjoyed the show. This is the final episode of season one, and we are already thinking ahead to season two. So if there's a brand story you want to hear about, send us a DM on Instagram at a change of brand and let us know. And as always, telling a fellow brand enthusiast or two about the show and leaving a review is super helpful. Be sure to hang on to the end of today's episode to hear our review of the week winner. Okay, back to the show. I wanted to ask you more about that favicon, the B and the K monogram. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Like the first time the designer or someone said, Hey, Lisa, what do you think about this? Yeah, I can tell you honestly, I went up and down. It was a roller coaster. I loved it. I hated it. I loved it again. I hated it again. <laughs> like it was a, an emotional one. Rafa always loved it. He was a huge advocate for it because I remember briefing the team around doing the abbreviation. So a lot of people just started to put BK in the buns. And it's like, okay, we'll do the abbreviation. We'll make the shorthand version. That's cool. That would be great on any number of days. But then one of the designers, I mean, I remember her sketchbook and we've we've taken photos of it since, but she was on the train and she literally like started to just sketch this K inside of it and trying to shape the B and, and took it into the computer and made it was too fat and too squishy and reworked it about 10 times to the point that you could start to see the connection with the family. I think the biggest thing we struggled with was how to tie them all together. Um, And that's when much later on in the process, we engaged a gentleman called Miles Newland, who I've worked with in the past and he's worked with a lot of different agencies. He's incredibly good at refining logos. He worked on Unilever and Tape Modern and things like that. It's the typographer that's really good at like logos and scale. And he really helped us make the monogram, favicon, blah, blah, blah. Like everybody calls it something different, but that's where it's intended to be used. But uh, obviously it could become a monogram that grows into the logo, but he helped get that to be as legible and to feel like it fitted with the system. And I think that's the moment when I was just like, this really works. You show it to designers and they love it. And then you show it to like your mum and she can't read it. So then I was like, this is where it could be a little tricky <laughs> if we if we rebrand a restaurant with something that my mum struggles with. But of course, it, having the industry love that so much, we become the biggest advocates for things like that. And then it obviously will grow more and more in, in time. And hopefully, yeah, lots of people will come to recognize it. Anybody that visits the restaurant. But um, in honest truth, that was the that was probably the back and forth around it. The JKR team is feeling pretty good about returning to the classic king. But first, they had to get the RBI leadership on board. We went to Miami and presented to yeah the global CMO of RBI and the rest of the team, three different design directions that were, again, were all based off that same mood board. But they, we still uh, talked about this reductive and generative. We're always like, we really did push those three design directions, even under a mood board far apart from each other and found kind of the one that everybody got the most excited. And then, as I said, like once we got to that logo as well, we did variations of the bulging and the more straight. And those were some of the things that went on the testing boards, like how simple and iconic to how kind of like how much expression could the brand take. What was great about the testing phase was that we put three directions in against the original rebrand and all three even though there were only nuances in them, all tested 
tenfold better than what the original brand did. So that was like, that's the best bit. And then at that point, I was like, it, then it was just about almost fighting for the bits that you love the most. We did really try to push Rafa of like, how far could we push that logo? And he was like, I think it should be more simple and iconic in the kind of like the static mark, but you can push it wherever you want in like animation. And we did in terms of like the animation of the logo builds. And we've been talking about about it bulging a little bit more in some other animation stuff that we're doing now. So in motion, we, yeah, we explode it with ingredients and then it comes back as the mark. So we actually did a lot of the dynamic pieces that I, I suppose we were trying to get through on the static at one point. In more emotion and brought more of that expression to life, which was really exciting. But the testing was great. I don't normally love doing testing. <laughs> it's like, can be one of the most scariest moments. Said every designer ever. <laughs> <laughs> Never met a designer who loves testing. Oh yeah, I want to make sure my mom really likes the aesthetic of this. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the, the best thing about that is Fernando and Rafa both have the ethos that testing is there to flag red flags. Testing is not to do exactly what was chosen by the people in the testing room. Whereas I've, I've you know, I work on so many other different brands. Some of the, the brand managers and marketeers use testing to make the decision. That's completely the wrong way to do it. It should be used to inform how you can do the right thing for the brand. And that might not be the thing that's like the top, top thing in testing, uh, but learn from what people might be a red flag or there might be some kind of like interpretation that you didn't foresee till these people saw it and just be open to that. I think again, Burger King, like if they tested, everybody would just go safely towards what already they know in QSR and they would just like gravitate to the safest thing. And that's like the opposite of who they are as a brand. So it's almost like, cool, okay, good to know, tick, 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 and then like, let's go and do this. And we feel much more confident in that decision. And and obviously testing does give, again, stakeholders uh, and people that are running and leading the business more confident in the decisions that you're making. So it, it can be quite important like tool to help sell through too. But when it becomes the only way to make a decision, that's where I think you end up often bastardizing a piece of design and it just gets watered down and watered down and watered down and in the wrong way. And I'm very lucky with this client that they have a particular view on testing and we only did it that once and we never did it again. There was so much expressiveness with the system, the illustrations, the color, flame, sands, the motion, the uniforms. I feel like it all kind of adds so much personality. I want to talk maybe briefly about the illustration. Just give us some of the direction behind the illustration. What drove some of the decisions there? Yeah, I mean, I think illustration is a, a great tool in my perspective in terms of when you're building a brand toolkit. Not all brands think about immediately using illustration. Obviously, it's like it can cost equally as much to do as photography, but obviously photography doesn't always stand the test of time or it can get much higher in production budgets and all of these types of things. So there's there's some certain challenges. I mean, I just kind of always wanted both. I mean, that's, that's the type of designer I am. <laughs> I want it all. But it can be such a, an amazing, incredible thing to have illustration in your library, to tell stories, 
where maybe photography and things don't work. Using mouthwatering, playfully irreverent, all of those things, we were using them. But then I was like, why would we use illustration? We could use it for storytelling. So like really fun, kind of playful moments. And we could also use it as another place to show up ingredients where maybe photography isn't going to work. So for example, we ended up using illustration of the ingredients on the Whopper wrapper. We didn't literally show the Whopper on the wrapper. We were kind of like trying to show what was in the ingredients that would be inside a a Whopper. So we got to kind of like use those in, in different places. So the process on that, when we started to value that as a piece that could be part of the toolkit, it wasn't an easy thing to sell in. I think we did have quite a few goes at selling through why we felt like this would be an important part of the kit. And I think it's also something they've just never had in their library before. So they're like, oh, where are we going to use this? We're not sure. You know, all of those different challenges. But as you start to show where it was getting used, that obviously also helped build the case, I think, to have illustration as part of the library. We created two libraries, an ingredient library of all the different ingredients, whether that was the onions, the sliced onions, the tomatoes, the lettuce, the buns, the patty, etc. And then we created some like fun storytelling elements, like fistful of fries and like the mouthful of the fries and the pickle eye mask and the moustache smiley face and things like that. And a lot of those were inspired by our tone of voice that we were writing. So all the time we were developing the brand voice. And I think a lot of the times people forget about developing such a strong unique tone of voice and we were talking about this brand feeling witty and enthusiastic and bold all the things that can come off the characteristic but we almost wrote test lines and then I had the artists illustrate those test lines and that was how we came up with what was in the library and we could make that four times the size and I would want to just keep on going so I hope Burger King and us get to keep developing that for different things but yeah it's really cool. Okay, so the new Burger King brand identity is hot off the grill, flame broiled and cooked just right. And it's time to serve it up to the franchisees and eventually the public. However, COVID decided to show up and like an outcast drunk cousin at a family reunion, it kind of spoiled the party. This time last year, I mean, we were still developing and refining some of those elements, but we did start to work on some video pieces that were played at like Burger King's and RBI's conventions in order to start sharing on a much bigger scale with all of the franchisees. There was, again, a lot of positive reactions from that, but there was also a lot of like, oh my goodness, this is coming. When is this coming? How are we going to do this? And a lot of like one-on-one time with Rafa when it became a bit safer to fly again, he's done a lot of like flying around the US meeting different franchisees, some of the top ones or probably thousands of Zooms at this point as well, globally with all the different regions too, to just really, really help understand the story because it's always so important to make sure that everybody understands the story and the journey and how we got to where we got to and also what could an implementation and rollout plan look like feasibly for some of these franchisees. They've got a a big plans to open more restaurants and some of these franchisees. So obviously that feels like a good place for new identity assets to roll out. 
But because it's been received so positive, there is an inundation right now of all of the franchisees wanting to start changing over some of their signage and uniforms and packaging, maybe quicker than we had even anticipated. So the catch up right now on getting uniform production is like pretty rapid and uh, there's a lot of pressure to get that happening. The thing that happened that was kind of a, a blessing and the curse was we were ready to launch this brand last summer. And obviously with everything going on, And so many restaurants around the world being shut and us not really understanding what the coming year would look like. It felt like not the right time to launch the rebrand. But then it sort of gave us the internal team a lot more time to induct a lot more people to become more familiar with the brand and the assets and things like that. So that was time in a weird way played on our part, as well as it got us to prepare and think much more deliberately about the launch and what type of assets do you need to tell the story for the launch and so we you know we weren't working obviously on it the whole time from the summer to when it launched in January but we definitely had sprint moments throughout that time where we were working on like whether it was motion assets so like telling the the story of the typeface or the the colors and all the different choice of elements through to the kind of sizzle reel, which I remember when we were starting to make that and everybody's like, do we really need something like that? And we think, well, I was always a bit like, it's always good to just have one place where the whole story is told. If we can't be there and somebody just has to press play, whether that's a press person or whoever, but I didn't expect it to be on everyone's websites and that to be the key kind of press asset. You know, we've been, I've been doing this for a long, long time. So of JKR and we've just like learned that it's always good to show the befores and the afters and some of the key touch points. So we, you know, we had a moment in time where we got to prep those and prepare for a launch. But as it came around, we started to talk, should we launch in December? And that was when we were working towards, then we were like, no, no, let's do it in January. Maybe we could dress a restaurant up. But of course, nothing all the time was really changing because COVID still is still rampant. So it's just like, you know, slowly restaurants have, have opened up in terms of thinking of drive throughs and things like that. But every country is different and every situation is different for a different franchisee. So, you know, we were still very cognizant of that. We felt like January would be a great time. And then, of course, there was just with the election and stuff like that. It's like, should we do it this day, this day? And there was, um, I mean, we were very planned in terms of like the PR company at Burger King worked with, who are absolutely fantastic, really kind of like figured out the cadence of that. It ended up launching the day after the riots, which was <laughs> obviously not planned either. But at that point, you're just like, maybe any good news? It didn't matter when you launched in 2020 or 2021. It seems like there would be something to compete with. But you were the good news. You're like the good news story. You know, like it, <laughs> it, it could have been a bad story. It could have been like headlines around the world's falling apart and Burger King has blown it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, people would be really upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the night before it launched publicly? Like it was about to roll out. Were you nervous about it? How did you feel? <laughs> I mean, was I nervous? There was a couple of bits where I was like, the day before, Rafa was looking through all the press assets again before they were being released. And I'd been working with him on those. And then we noticed that maybe my RGB colors didn't output correctly. And he was like, I think some of these are like slightly, the colors are wrong. So I think I was up working the night before it launched, <laughs> like making sure everything like was perfect because we'd come so far and making sure everything was so good. But of course, it's always like, 
something you didn't see at the time. So I think that was probably a good distraction. The brand Refresh launched literally the day after the U.S. Capitol was stormed by extremists. But the story eventually surfaced and the change of brand was met with praise from all types. And let's talk about what else is trending this morning. Okay, so Burger King is making a big whopper of a change to their logo. You're looking at their old logo and their new one. So they're going to be ditching that blue curve that they've used since the 90s. And they're going for a more retro, simplified look. They say it pays tribute to their 64-year-old history, looking like an older logo that they started using in the 70s. It's um, back. So I think it's kind of cool. The brand Refresh made Fast Company's hit of the week, and the design community fell in love with the little BK monogram. And in general, designers around the globe sent their compliments to the chef. The best bit for me was the people that started to do TikTok reviews. So there was one girl that did a TikTok review of the rebrand and like, oh my God, have you seen this rebrand? And then it's like the B, the K, the, did you see this? Ooh, oh, and I was like, Oh my God, I've never seen rebrands reviewed like this. And again, I tagged her on Instagram or something. And then we started messaging and I was like, can you review any rebrands that I ever work on again? I love this. This is like That's amazing. new style. <laughs> and just for fun, here's Lisa's new TikTok bestie at Chorus Perel. There is nothing that gets me quite as hyped as when a major brand does a long overdue rebranding. This has very genuinely made my day. Like old and busted, new hotness. I mean, hello, hi. Oh, it's cute. Look at, look at how cute, cute. <laughs> look at this, look at this BK. Okay, so TikTok brand reviews might be the next big thing because here's two more that are pretty awesome. Do we already have the best rebrand of 2021? Burger King of all people has just announced a complete brand overhaul. Their new logo is bold and simple and pays homage to the logo that they used to have back in the 90s. Along with the new logo, they've also decided to add a new color palette as well as custom graphics for social media, icons, and fonts. And like all good brands, they want to make sure each touch point of their business looks the same. So they've gone on ahead and added packaging and a new building style to the rebrand as well. Dude, graphic designers cannot stop talking about this Burger King rebrand. And I mean, like, look at it. Can you blame them? It's so cute. And look at these cute illustrations. Fries in the mouth, a packet of ketchup. Who thought of this? Good job. And look at this type. It's flames. Again, here's Lisa. In some ways, I forgot how big this brand is. Like when you're in it, you love it and you're breathing in it. And I do that, whatever the scale, the, the piece of design that I work on, they're all equally is important, but the reach of, of a Burger King is probably bigger than a reach of a lot of rebrands that I've ever worked on. And there's a lot of love for this brand. So a lot of people are super interested in it. It brings the advertising world a light because the incredible creativity that they've done in advertising. So I've never had so much kind of like, it's almost like you get the design and you get the mass press, but then you get the design press and then you get the whole advertising world as well. That are just like, Whoa, what's going on? That, it was a, a lot, but it was, um, as I said, like mostly received pretty positively. You know, the big mistake that Burger King made was ever to depart from this classic stacked and flat mark. The 1999 logo, looking back, is a little bit like seeing photos of yourself from college or high school when you really question your sense of style. 
It's so clear to me that that blue swoosh was change for change sake and just too trendy. And at the time, they sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater. The classic BK burger icon is timeless and has equity despite not even being used for the last 20 years. And it seems like it's working. Lisa also shared with me that after the launch, social listening metrics showed something like a 98% positive sentiment around the change. I think people were sort of hungry for the Burger King of their childhood to return. I know for me personally, the happy birthday celebrating seven-year-old boy inside is giddy about this refresh. It feels just right, like a meal fit for a king. And it is still early on and time will tell if this change of brand was really worth it in terms of driving the sort of impact that Burger King is hoping for. But so far, Lisa feels pretty good. Of course, also because of the times that we still live in and we've probably not been able to see the full impact of it. And we won't be able to see the full impact of it probably for the next year or maybe even the next couple of years because obviously as things start to change over, working with, again, such a large global brand that has physical footprints where it takes a lot in terms of changing over signage and packaging and and different pieces, we're not going to see an instant like number but there has been some testing in terms of like desirability and craveability which is kind of goes back to the quality and taste metrics that started out uh some people have taken it on themselves to do polls like ad age and other media which is really interesting and comparing it to mcdonald's and things like that but bk's own research as well as polls like that that we've seen it seems to have already been making huge strides in terms of craveability in terms of like feeling like the food is more delicious, more real, more nutritious, which feels like it's going in the right way. I think we've had a metric around, I think 39% people have more intent to visit a Burger King. And that's a huge, you know, needle shift on who maybe wouldn't have visited before. So the signs are good, but it's too early to tell. I mean, we were talking about even in the two days that they rebranded, they had a huge spike in terms of their stock price share which is incredible. But then, of course, as stock, you know, anything that's in the news and peaks, of course, it rises for two days, but then it kind of dips and plateaus again. And you, it's not gone down to where it was, which is good news. But it's like, again, time will only tell that. And I know that from rebrands like Chobani, it took, you know, literally a, a year to kind of navigate what that does to your business. It's sort of a little up and down. And then slowly it starts doing its job and more and more you know market share grows or stock prices rise or all of those things okay to close out this emperor of an episode in season one of a change of brand here is a recent campaign by our beloved number two challenger brand who is not afraid to push the envelope with a playful campaign about how they are taking sustainability a little more seriously Diets that would help reduce their farts. That's a start. And my 
Thanks for listening, everyone. And special thanks to Lisa Smith for her time and giving us a behind-the-scenes look into the Burger King rebrand. To see more visuals from today's episode, be sure to head on over to achangeofbrand.com. And if you liked today's show or all of season one, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just like our review of the week winner, Run More, Read More 4 did with a review titled The Branding Podcast We Needed. DM us on Instagram or email me, Blake, at matchstick.com to collect your prize. Today's episode was edited by Matt Owen. Special thanks to Sarah Gale Hughes for the briefing and Caitlin Landauer for today's artwork. I'm your host, Blake Howard, signing off. <laughs>